All right, you want to start? You want me to start this off? Do it. Okay. I think I got this. Yeah. Yeah. Woo! Welcome to the Dynasty Academy, Michael Washington Weeks. Mark is being a pompous ass before we came on air, and Mark Angst. You want to hear something really weird? Makes sense. I said one or two inches, growing one or two inches, and you're like, and he's still going. Oh. Eli Manuel. Well, the first note is Bo Nix is fucking terrible. <laughs> it's so funny. It, it's hard. And you don't want people to really know that about you? Eli, you can cut this out. You can leave it in, too. Restart. Final round. Final round. Finish him. I have leagues on too many apps. I don't know what to follow. Obviously, we know that Trevor Etienne's gone. Make it Armageddon up in here. Tonight on the Dynasty Academy, we are going to do our top 32, 32 we decided on, right? Rookie consensus rankings. Rookie drafts are starting to wind down, at least for us they are. There's not too many left, actually. I don't even know if there's really any left other than miscellaneous ones that we're not all in together. No? I'm I'm done after... No, I'm done. Yeah, that's it. I got two more. Other than that, that's pretty Sad. much it for me. Yeah. Well, we're going to do a startup, guys. Don't worry about it. Just got to... Wait for Daryl to get back from his honeymoon in Jamaica once he gets married in June. By the way, congratulations on the marriage, Daryl. Oh, oh, look, I'm on the clock. <laughs> and Eli just found out he was on the clock in the all-defense best ball league where you're drafting. So tonight, top 32 consensus uh, rookies. We each ranked our own, went through, and then we did an average to base on the consensus. I do not have them in front of me. So with that being said, Mark has decided to write them on a... What was that? It was like a little flashcard? Post-it yeah, no note. Card. A little post-it note? What is that? Note oh. card. Not a post-it note. Note card. <laughs> the damn note cards from like the 1990s when we were in high school. I don't even know that. I didn't even know they still made them. He just shrugged. They were a dollar at the Dollar Tree. What do you want to do? <laughs> whole, whole pack of them. Whole pack. Oh, big spender. The, 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 the multicolored ones too? You had like hot pink and yellow and... Yeah, see? <laughs> yeah. I know what I'm talking about. I got, I got yellow ones. Hey, yellow and... Hold on. Let me get a pink one now. I mean, They're by the, the way, bottom. guys, he is showing the camera. Yeah, see? The little pink ones, purple ones. He is showing the camera, guys. Blue ones in here? Yeah, but the blue ones. That's what we use for our live draft. Yeah. <laughs> so, with that said, Mark, I'm pretty sure that I think the top three were pretty much consensus across them. Give us the top three, and we'll discuss them very, very briefly, because I'm pretty sure we've killed them by now at this point in time. Superflex, by the way. Titan Premium. Yep, Titan Premium. So... Trevor Lawrence, Jacksonville Jaguars, Justin Fields, Chicago Bears, and Trey Lance. San Francisco 49ers were the top three. Only Eli had Lance at four. It was the only difference between those three, between the rest of us. Quarterbacks all the way, super flex. So they were they're the pretty easy. And Eli's one other one was also a quarterback. So Eli and I went quarterbacks in our top four. Michael was the only one who was different on that one. I was the only one that was... So those are the top three, which I'm pretty sure that, I mean, I feel like that that's going to be the consensus for almost anybody and everybody. I mean, you know, you might be able to all, you know, change three with the guy you guys put at four, but... You'll see some picks I mean, up in the top four. Say, I haven't really seen Wilson go ahead of anybody in an actual draft, but yeah, Pitts and the running backs will yeah. maybe sneak, sneak maybe into the top four. For those who love Pitts, you're going to be very upset. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I, me, it's fair value. I mean, yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah, the, where we end up up, up with them, it's perfect value. For it's him. perfect value, yeah, yeah. It's just, sure. I have not seen him get to this point in any draft whatsoever, so. Nope. I, I've seen him, I think, one time get close, and I think it was, like, two, where we have him. So, one I'll draft. be very interested to see where he goes in, in the startup we do, and if he gets taken ahead of any of the big three tight first, ends. First overall? Um, Maybe. That would, get be, to. that would be Eli. He'll yeah. take it first. Over. He'll do the thing. <laughs> I will not. I will not, I will not be doing the thing. <laughs> not a one-on-one? No? Not a super flex? Okay. So at number four is where we start getting a little dicey. We start changing things up. Number four, who is our consensus? Najee Harris. Najee Harris. Get that running had back. Had Michael had him at four. Eli and I both have him at five. The only reason Zach Wilson falls behind Najee is because Michael has him at nine. So Michael... Why still yeah. low on Zach Wilson? Not low on Zach Wilson. Uh, I hate him. I don't hate Zach Wilson, actually. I actually have come <laughs> around on Zach Wilson, believe it or not. Uh, I would I would have answered that I did hate him beforehand. I don't hate him so much now. I have come around on him. 
it wasn't that I it wasn't that I hated him. It's just that I feel once you're getting into picks four, five, six, seven range in a super flex, your quarterbacks are either going to be good enough. I mean, granted, I, roster construction plays a big part in a lot of this too. So for me, I'm just going based off best best player available. I'd rather have the RB one at four than the QB four at four. That's the where that's where the range goes, and it kind of falls in habit habit with what we have down the road here with the other two running backs and the other two wide receivers that we're going to discuss that fall in but ahead of Wilson. It's not that I dislike Wilson. I, I think that if you can get him at seven or eight, it's, you know, fantastic value for a quarterback, especially in a super flex. I got him at eight in the league. Actually, I'm at nine in the league. Sorry. In a super flex. But when you're looking at the way that they're at roster construction, I would rather have the RB1 over the QB4 at just personally. And then Eli, you had him at three, so... You're the highest of all of us. Do tell. Yeah. I'm Wilson. Wilson. Um, I, uh, Lance does have tremendous upside with the rushing ability. I still just, I, I think Wilson's got the better arm. They're both coin flip guys for me where we never really got to see a ton of them in college. We got one really good year out of Zach Wilson. We got one really good outstanding year out of Trey Lance. But you've got to take the chance here. you got to go get those quarterbacks in super flex. And so that's why I'm taking here to three and four. The only other thing I could see with Wilson taking Wilson over um, Lance would be immediate playing time. I'm not sold that Lance is going to start right away. And, and New York is not starting anybody else over Zach Wilson. So it's that a would competition though. That would be the only, I don't believe that one bit. <laughs> that would be the only, <laughs> that would be the only situation that I think that I would, that I would make the argument for as far as, you know, immediate playing time types. I, I'm not so, mad with it. No, no, I just, he was the highest, you were the lowest, wanted to see. Yeah, no, So for at sure. six, we have Jamar Chase, our first wide receiver off the board. Well, five was Zach Wilson. Five is Zach Wilson. Five was Zach Wilson, okay. I don't think we touched base on that. That's all. I'm, that's why okay. I said it. Five is Zach Wilson, then Jamar Chase at six. Um, Eli has Chase at six, Michael has him at five, and I have him at seven. So we're literally all right around each other. He's easily the wide receiver one, I believe, to all of us. I don't think it's even close for any of us, so nope. I don't think we need to spend much time there. At seven, I uh, we ended up with Javante Williams at seven. I have Williams um, up at six. Eli has Williams down at eight, and Michael, you have him at six also. So Eli, a little lower on Williams than the, than the two of us. What do you see from maybe the other running backs that have him or, or what? Uh, so obviously I got ETN ahead of him. I I still prefer ETN to Williams. Uh, Williams will see you know in a split backfield what kind of carries he gets with Gordon this year, and then there is potential for him to have a starting role there. Um, but ETN, uh, I just love the spot there, teaming up with uh, Trevor Lawrence and seeing what can happen there with his explosiveness. ETN does come in as our eight for the group. So we have Williams and ETN back to back. Because Williams I, is I mean, at I seven, look, right? Yeah, Williams is at seven, ETN is at eight. I mean, either one of them are really interchangeable. I think in drafts, I was kind of, because I was picking a lot of times in this area, and I think I was flip-flopping which one I took just because to have both of them. Do yeah, have I all the same guy? I didn't have one of them in a league. I would go out of my way to I would jump ahead there in my rankings and take Williams over ETN, but... I've got them with, both leads. With Williams, uh, Melvin Gordon is going to still touch his year one, but that doesn't scare me all that much. ETN is going to lose touches to James Robinson, I know for sure, but doesn't scare me all that much. Both of them will catch passes. All these people freaking out over ETN doing all of his drills at wide receiver are just crazy because that's what you want to see a wide receiver do. Get practice at it. Get work at it. Work on catching the ball. Work at running routes. Especially right I mean, now. That's, Especially right now. That's They're what, on mini camps. Yeah. It's rookie camps, you know? Rookie I mean, camps. Not even yeah, like yeah, regular yeah. mini camps. Rookie camps. Yeah. So, yeah. Get it done now. Get out there. Get doing that. I mean, that's that's what makes us all love Najee so much is because he is probably the best route runner of the wide receivers of all of them. Oh, so, absolutely. Yeah. And for me, Javante, ETN, it's a coin flip where you want. I can go either way. I just I prefer Javante as a natural runner to ETN. But I can easily see ETN scoring more fantasy points year one for sure. I just think my biggest, that. I think my biggest thing with this is is it's a coin flip in the sense of talent. I think they're both super talented. I just personally believe that Javante Williams is going to have a better long term career than my personal belief. 
Doesn't mean that Etienne's going to have a bad career by any means. I just think Javante Williams is going to have a better suited role as a long-term back in the league in comparison to ETN. Now, of course, I could be wrong because ETN could be used strictly as a passing back and they have a longer longevity because they're not beat and brutalized. But I just think Javante is going to hold up. And I, and I really like him as far as a long-term option in comparison. Just personal. But they're super close. That's the only reason why I had Javante rated higher. Yeah, I mean, you have him 6 and 7, so yeah. not right there. So at 9, we come in with Jalen Waddle, the wide receiver from Miami. And he was pretty much right around the same spot for all three of us, 9-10. Landing spot worked out great there for, in my opinion, he goes back with his college coach, or college, college coach, his college quarterback. He goes to a team that doesn't really have a player that kind of works in his skill set. So he kind of has his role probably carved out pretty quickly. So there's not much really to say for Waddle. No, I mean, it's just, it's a good spot, high draft capital. Uh, not much to, there's not much there to make me think that he's not going to get his opportunity and chance to become the number one right off the bat, to be honest. Though. And then our uh, most controversial one probably to this point to people will be Kyle Pitts at 10. I have Kyle Pitts at 11. Eli has him at 9 and Michael has him at 10. So we're all pretty close on where we think he should fall. I just think it's I mean, more about value, personally. There, that's that's a, to me. I don't believe Pitts going in your top five. He's ever going to return value unless he becomes it, um, there's Travis one, Kelsey right now. There's one one little thing to add here. If you're in a start two tight end tight end premium league, he would significantly move up my board in that scenario. Absolutely, that's about it. Even start one tight end premium, um, unless it's Two points per reception. I was going to say, um, if you get into those weird ones where it's something like that, he probably moves up probably to yeah. about the top five. In but that if it's sense, like just because. But a lot of them that I've joined are such small fives that I'm like, I don't even, doesn't pay to draft that guy there. I think my biggest thing is too, though, is I would be very interested in two, in two tight end starts and you know, two point per receptions or whatever. I'd be very interested to find out where his projected stats put him at. Because his projected stats, at least, you know, for most people that understand rookie tight end, aren't very high. You're not gonna get the he's not let's put it this way, Kyle Pitts is not gonna come in your first year and give you Travis Kelsey numbers. I don't care who, hey, who so his let's, coach is. Let's go let's go mid range. Let's say what, what do we say? Seventy five receptions? I mean I think that might even be Honestly, that might even be on the, the higher end, but sure, let's say 75 receptions. Okay, 75 receptions. Um, what are we thinking? We can just go easy and say like 780 right, so yards. I'll just give you, let me just give you what Sleeper has as projection for this year. So he's got 77 receptions for 889 yards and six touchdowns. Okay, that's not far off where I have him personally myself, but so. So in a two point league, his 77 receptions right there are going to get you. Um, what, 144 points? Yeah. He'd be like... No, 154 points. Point. In a two-point reception league, he'd be getting about 17 points per game. So that's in a two-point reception. Yeah, I can see taking him in the top five. <clears throat> Assuming he gets that high, what's the average for most rookie tight ends, at least in the first round? I mean, correct. Not, you'd have to go back and take a look at that. I mean... But I, you Julio know, could be gone. He could become... If Julio's gone, target. I think it hurts him. I don't... I think it hurts him. If you want my honest opinion, there's I, nothing. I there's nothing to stop. There's nothing to stop the defenses from from honing in on him. Then, and then I'm trading for Calvin Ridley everywhere. <laughs> I, I I think that Julio. I think he would be better off having Julio there than he would not to have Julio there, especially in the first. Well, that's you know maybe he, moving forward. Say that. I just think if he gets a massive target share, he could easily outproduce what we think. But I mean, even even without Julio. You think he gets because the production for Travis Kelsey is ninety six. So you really think even without Hulu, he can get ahead of that number? No, I think that I'm boosting him too. I don't think he's getting Travis Kelsey numbers year one. Right. So we're, we're talking about what eighty, eighty five. So like eight more receptions top? somewhere in there, under a thousand the, yards, maybe. Which is what he is now. So I mean, I, I think his projection probably stays pretty similar with and without Julio. Yeah, I don't really see anything changing there, really. But I'm still taking them in a two t uh, two point. Oh, taking I mean, in the top five. Yeah, I'm not Me arguing. Too. I am too. Uh, yeah, I'm not arguing that. I just, I just be, I was just interested to find out where 
and how it, and how much it changed. In and a two point is going to change quite a bit. Two tight end, it's going to change it quite a bit as well. You're yeah, gonna want it. most most likely, if we're talking about a super flex two tight end league, he's he's right up there with the quarterbacks. Yeah, mostly. If I have to start two tight ends, and I have a chance to add him to a team, you know, because when you're starting two tight ends, just like when we you know we play super flex for a reason. We, it's to give the, the quarterbacks a little more value than what than they they don't have in single quarterback. They just don't have it. You know, when when you're talking about one of the a quarterback going eight nine in a single quarterback because he's a generational looking talent, that just shows you how undervalued they are in one quarterback. It's the yeah. same for tight end. When when you when you talk about if you don't have one of the top three that the guys from five to about sixteen are all within like a point of each other per game, it's just not worth it to take someone that high. No, not at all. And, and again, I'm not making any arguments that that Pitts shouldn't be higher in two two tight end or two point by any means. I'm just saying that as far as like tight end premium, I still don't think it changes because when you really no. think about a tight end one, everybody's like, oh, we talk about the tight end one top twelve. Realistically, no. tight end one's top three. I mean, let's be maybe, honest, it's maybe top, four now, possibly four. But from five to like twenty seven, it, it, it's it, it it's like the it's like the draft lottery. You just you draw a name out of a hat, and that's going to be your fifth. And the following year, he might be twenty-one. There's no such every thing year, as yeah. Every year, someone pops up here and there that just nobody expected. That's why I went Mark Andrews a couple of years ago, real late, and it hit. You know, Higby was the possibility last year. That one didn't work out, but it's every year Darren Waller pops in somewhere, someone like that. And I got Waller off the waiver wire two years ago, so everybody I mean, probably did. Yeah, but I think in I think in Superflex tight end premium 1.5 this is great value at 10 i wouldn't go higher if if somebody wanted them over waddle i can understand that if you wanted the tight end one that you think is this unicorn tight end and you want them over what people think are their wide receiver two three four okay whatever that's i'm not gonna argue with one spot right but in the running back and top wide receiver range and the quarterback no i just don't Give me all the running backs. So at 11, we have Mac Jones. And then 12, we have Devonta Smith to round out our first round. I don't really think anything crazy there. That's, I mean, Mac Jones, that's about where I see him going. The New England situation is what gives me the most pause. Because I do think Mac Jones has the talent. It's just, what's he going to have for talent around him? His running back room is a bunch of crap. His wide receiver room is a bunch of crap. Damian Harris is not crap. He's got two good tight ends, maybe three, four with the way they drafted them last year. I don't know. But other than that, it's it's hard to know. But situation changed. Their wide receiver room could be totally different next year and be great. I just I'll believe in the town of Mac Jones. And at this point, if you know, if I'm picking eleven and I'm a contender, I'm super happy to get Mac Jones there. I mean, in a Debbie depleted draft, I traded up to five to get Mac Jones. I needed a quarterback really badly. But I mean I traded was, from three to one to get him, so in a Debbie depleted draft. Yeah, and he was probably the only quarterback available in that draft. Awesome. Zach Wilson, I assume, was probably gone. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So and then Devonta I- Smith. I have Smith where I have him solely based on he obviously has talent. You don't win the Heisman Trophy for no reason, but he doesn't have a ton of talent at in Philly. That's going to take a ton of targets from him, even with Jalen Hurts throwing the ball. But with Jalen Hurts throwing in the ball, that's what hurts him overall to me as my fourth wide receiver. My biggest issue with and him, he's a yeah, I, size is obviously an issue. But that offensive line is god horrendous, and you're talking about an offensive line that, or or a team in general that is going to need to give Hurts time to get the ball out. Jalen Rager said today that he's primarily playing out of the slot. That's pretty much what he's going to do, which is good for him. But Devontae Smith, I don't think, is good enough to play outside, even with all the talent he has. Not right now. His size is not good enough. and not. Teams are going to press him. They're going to try to make him beat them off the line, and it's not going to work for him is what I'm, is, is where I fear. And then you factor in that offensive line being as porous as, and, I don't, and I'm not sold on Jalen Hurts. So for me, Devontae Smith being a 12, I, I, I honestly, any of the guys that we have after him in the next five wide receivers after him, if you took him over Devontae Smith, I would, because I have done it. Oh, I mean, I any, anywhere from 12 to 18 in our list here, could be in absolutely any order to me, and I wouldn't bat an eye at it. Yep. Not one bit. So at 13, we have Rashad Bateman. Yeah. And 14, we have Elijah Moore. They, they tied in our model. We just went, Bateman was rated higher on Michael and I's rankings. So that's why he got the 13. But 
<clears throat> Eli's darling of Elijah Moore at 14. <laughs> Bateman goes to the Baltimore Ravens. So that was it's something that, that gives a red flag when you're drafting him that you have to understand that their offense right now, the way it's constructed, is not wide receiver friendly. The hope is they drafted Bateman to hopefully change the offense. The hope is Lamar Jackson's going to end up throwing the ball more than running the ball. But it's it's a lot of hope. But the talent is there for Bateman. The talent's insane. Um, I, I love Bateman. He's uh, one of the guys that I had ranked much higher coming in than where he was after his draft pick. And I really did not want to go to Baltimore. And it's not and it's not even Lamar Jackson. It's literally Greg Roman. That's my problem. You know, in, in Greg Roman's entire career as an offensive coordinator, he's only had seven 300-yard passing. Doesn't seven. Lamar have like five of them? Uh, Lamar has a handful of that, and that's the problem. He's only had seven in his entire career, and he's never ranked higher than 24th in the passing game. Greg Roman is in the way. Now, if that means Baltimore makes the playoffs and gets one and done, that John Harbaugh doesn't make a decision to change it and say, you're gone next year, I love Bateman even more then, because that means hopefully they bring somebody in that will throw the ball. Right now, though, it's hard to put Bateman any higher, even though I really want to. <laughs> yeah. And then you... Then you have Elijah Moore going to the Jets. Now, I they like still do have Jamison Crowder on the roster. So does that give you any bit of pause for Moore's at least beginning of the season? If I'm taking Elijah Moore, I know that there is potential for him to not really produce on, other than maybe like Donovan Peoples-Jones did where you've got this one or two games where he's on the field because of somebody else's hurt and he has a big game. That's what you expect year one to me. So I was having a different thought process on this because they brought in so many people in the offseason. They brought in Corey Davis. They brought in uh, Keelan Cole. I know that Cole may not make the roster and he may be, you know, whatever, but they still brought him in. They paid him to come in. They drafted Elijah Moore. Jamison Crowder has a big contract, or at least his contract was big. I don't know what the dead cap space is for them to cut him, but he does not likely make a cut candidate. Unfortunately, with a new regime, I'm wondering if Denzel Mims is going to be the guy that's going to get lost in this translation. It depends on how well he catches on to that offense. I love the talent, and I hope that that's not the case. But how many times have we seen a new regime come in, that wide receiver that we all love, and then they get lost in the shuffle? So I think Elijah Moore could actually make headway this year if that is the case if elijah moore is this coaching staff's guy and they want him on the field i could see elijah moore making an immediate impact and actually maybe even top 12 at some point in time if we do a you know a rookie redraft down the road um that that's where i was with elijah moore i actually had a very tough time not putting my top 12 i think i had him what 13 14 maybe on my list 14 14 yeah so I had a tough time not putting him in the top 12 because I think he actually might get an immediate chance more sooner than people realize. Dead cap for Jamison Crowder is only 1 million. Okay, so that's not too bad then. But they are not cap strapped as a team at all and his contract is over after this year in general. So them keeping him wouldn't be surprising as the veteran, you know, just right. If, you know, if they don't think Elijah See, the only reason I, I don't correlate Mims with Elijah Moore is just because I don't see Elijah playing the outside too often. Do I think he can? Yes. Do I think they will? Not sure. So um, I think Crowder is more what's in Elijah Moore's way. Unless they're a team that, you know, moves Crowder outside and more outside and just does this big rotation and uses smaller guys and runs a bunch of crossing routes and short things and gets the ball in their hands and let them go because – and Jamison Crowder, that's what he is. You put the ball in his hands, he's going to do something with it. Same thing with Elijah Moore. Yeah, I, I mean, and that may be the case. They may move, they may want to be put more inside and, and you know, move in, in a not effective men's and, you know, they want to get Crowder out of the way. It's very possible. You know, I, I'm not, I'm just saying that usually with the makeup of this team, you know, they bring in Corey Davis, who you know is going to play primarily outside, you know. Keelan Cole He's is going to be in all of his career. Right. And Keelan Cole is going to stretch the field, assuming he makes the team, you know, even with the 1 million in dead cap space for Crowder, I don't, I, I don't see them not wanting a veteran presence for a safety net for, for Wilson in his first year. Yeah. I, I think, I think Cole is what threatens Mims the most because that's Mims is more of the field stretcher than Corey Davis as is Keelan Cole. So yeah, that's, that'll be more of a threat there if they hold on to him. So at 15, we come in with Michael Carter, 
uh, running back of the New York Jets with two Jets back-to-back. Eli, you have Carter at 16, so not far off. I have Carter um, at 17, and Mike Osmond at 15. Um, I have a couple wide receivers ahead of him, but I mean, I can understand running back scarcity. You you go with the running back. Um, well, he's a good situation, too. I mean, speaking about the Jets, you know, they're young and he's in a good situation. Yeah, you know, I think that that's one of the biggest thing, you know, him being there, not much competition in that backfield. Yeah, that's where I am with him. I'm not even that high on Carter in general prior to this, but um, going in there, you get all these young players together. Hopefully they can kind of build that offense around the talent they have and make something happen. One thing to know with Carter, though, is this, this could be a one-year thing. A lot of people, you have to... You have to kind of brace for that and understand that he might have a really good year one. A team could invest in a running back next year. Now, Carter isn't guaranteed as a fourth-round running back to hold the job down. I mean, look, look what happened to James. Really good season. Did regime, so that you know that does make a difference, but really good season. So, Well, the 25th player overall just going to be a third that's be breakout season right off the bat and putting up numbers you really need to consider moving him if you can get a first because think about it taking him at 15 which is early second round if, if you're turning that into a, a first round rookie pick and you have to consider that he might not have the job the following season I mean it's kind of like Miles Gaskin we're gonna if you hold on to him you're gonna be holding your breath the entire draft to see if they take somebody the, or sign somebody the only thing I will say here is if he does beat out the other guys on roster and he does have a breakout year, I say hold on to him until they change coaching staffs again. I think you say again like because I'm like, well, I mean, I'm just hey, you never know. It's the friggin' Jets. Who the hell? Who the hell knows? What I mean is James Robinson went through went, went through a coaching change, like you said. So even as an undrafted guy that had a breakout year, we knew this. The Jets likely aren't going to be one and done with this coaching staff. So if Michael Carter has a breakout year and knows the system, there's a good chance that Michael Carter is going to be the guy that they're going to build around next year if he has a breakout year. So I say hold on to him. for. I don't see them investing into a running back next year if he breaks out because it's going to be, a, okay, we have to teach a rookie running back the system. But Michael P. Ryan and Ty Johnson are on roster, but all three of them are clean slate. So it's really going to be who rises to the top. This is going to give Carter the opportunity, the opportunity and chance to take that spot. It's not a guarantee, but the other two guys are, are learning at the same rate. So it's basically like three rookies in that backfield. It's just yeah. something to be aware of when it's a fourth round pick. If he Absolutely. went in the third round, I'd, I'd feel a little different. But even though it's early fourth round, it's still a fourth round well, I have running a different back. running back higher. <clears throat> All right. At 16, 17, 18, we have three wide receivers. Terrace Marshall, who went to the Carolina Panthers. Rondell Moore, who went to the Arizona Cardinals, and Amon Ross St. Brown, who went to the Detroit Lions. I think that's the perfect ranking there. Yeah, I mean, in any order you take them in, I wouldn't, I'm not going to sit here and argue with them. They're, they're all pretty yeah. pretty close to me, pretty similar. Marshall is the only one of the two who projects as an alpha-type wide receiver, but he's never actually been that because the one year of his career he couldn't have been, he kind of opted out halfway through, but... That team was terrible, and there was a medical foot thing that kind of came up full with Terrace Marshall. He dropped in the draft. I'm not sure if he dropped in the draft because people just were too high on him to begin with, but Carolina came out and said they wanted him over New Orleans with picking a pick behind him, and he's reuniting with his offensive coordinator. That tells me at least the offensive coordinator liked him because if not, I'm sure he would have said, don't draft this guy. I don't want him around. So that, that gives me confidence in Marshall. He just has some guys around him year one. Yes. Ron, Rondell Moore, on the other hand, doesn't really. Same with Amon Ra. But those two are not going to be alpha wide receivers. So that's why I would take Marshall, even though he's crowded. I think he's just as crowded as Rondell Moore is. Yeah. That, Marshall's a perfect example of taking talent over landing spots. So, yes. I mean, I just think that they're going to they're gonna use A.J. Green. I know that he's not what he used to be. They're going to use him. Christian Kirk did have a good year for them last year, and Kirk will be used again. I know I everybody wants to be down on Kirk. They're going to use him again. I, I mean, I, I don't like Kirk. They're going to use him, though. It's just, Maybe. it's just the way that it's going to be. They're going to use him. So I, I think it's just as crowded as it, there as it is in Carolina. They could probably use, end up using Rondell more like they used Andy Isabella. Not at all. <laughs> not at all, yeah. 
I, I think that the, the person that has the best path here is Amon Ross St. Brown. And that's oh, just, he, I just yeah, don't think like, Detroit has any any talent. Of, well, I mean, they have some talented guys. I just don't know who they are. The only difference is their situation is probably the one with the most upheaval around it. New coaching staff, sure, but... New quarterback. Where, yeah, we're not sold on if Goff is going to be the guy there in two years or not. Like he, oh, he, he He's going to be has, the guy. He's going to be the guy there until they get rid of until they get rid of the guy that they brought in as GM. Maybe, that's the dude maybe. they drafted. He drafted him. I, I understand that. That's that, his that guy. That doesn't mean that the owner doesn't say, cool, how long I did they draft him, get rid of him. How long do they stick with Matthew Stafford? Who is way better than Jared Goff. Can't blame that. I'm not, I'm not saying that he's not as good as but did they win games with Jared, with Matthew Stafford? Did they make the playoffs with Matthew Stafford? One year, yeah. One year. Out of all the years that he was there. It's not like he elevated them to like I, the next level. I'm not sure you can blame Matthew Stafford <laughs> for that. I'm not no. blaming it all on him. But I'm just simply saying that if you're going to have that same case, they have a, they brought a guy in that literally loves Jared Goff to the point where they were like, we're going to trade Matthew Stafford, who's the better quarterback, and we're going to bring the guy in that Who I want. Well, hold on. So but let's also how many how many first round picks did they get in that deal? I understand that, and I'm not and I'm not saying that that's necessarily what it was all about. But he wanted Jared Goff. That's what it was about. I don't know if he wanted Jared Goff. He I wanted. He was Goff. like, he's like, I he, I think he thought, okay, I know who he is, and we're getting two first. Yeah, let's do that. I guarantee that was initiated by Holm because I, I let, put money on that, which is fine. But that does not guarantee Jared Goff is going to be there for long term. I. I give him at least at least three to three to five years there. Oh no, two. If if they're not winning games after year two, I'm not sure that Goff or I mean not not even winning games. If he's not playing like he was two years ago, they're not sticking around with him. Okay. But we'll see. But but, but Amon-Ra definitely has the year one potential more than the other two. No doubt about that. And probably year two, to be honest. I mean, for me, my biggest thing is the reason why I love Amon Ra so much is because of Jared Goff. I mean, I mentioned it before he got drafted that he reminds me of of Robert Woods so much. And the fact that he's there with a guy who played with Robert Woods just solidifies it even more for me that... Was able to unlock Robert Woods. Yeah, really. I mean... Before before Woods got there, I mean, he was good and all with other teams, but he was never really used properly. And he finally was unlocked with Goff and his skill set. I mean, Amon Ra is, is the route tactician of probably the three of them. He runs crisp routes like Robert Woods, like Cooper Cup. He works more around the line of scrimmage, where Jared Goff likes to throw the ball more often. Middle of the field. Yeah. But he, he can just, also go deep. Yeah, oh, Amon Ra. Amon Ra can do it all for the most part. He returns kicks. He can do everything. I think Amon Ra can end up being one of those very steady, good players all his entire, his entire career and then just hovers around that wide receiver one category for his entire his entire Golden career. Tate slash Robert Woods. Because Robert Woods had had Fantasy several for game career. Had several RB one seasons or right around there. Wide receiver receiver one. I shouldn't say yeah, he, I shouldn't say I shouldn't say several, but he had a few that were right around that top twelve. So he had he's had one wide receiver one season, but of the last three he's been eleven, thirteen and fourteen. Right. So he's been right around there, yeah. So Yeah. And, and that's with Jared Goff. That's the three seasons he's had with Goff. The three seasons he's he's been up there. It'll be interesting to see what happens with him with Stafford. I think I don't know that Stafford is all that much different than Goff, except Stafford just throws a better deep ball. But he's getting older too. So, yeah. so then we come into our next running back, and this is probably <sighs> a running back that has probably one of our biggest uh, variations of where we all have him. Six picks is the average. I, say, I, I have him at. At 19, he comes in 19 our consensus. Eli has him at 13, and Michael has him at... Yeah, he's six spots apart on each of us. I had him 25th. Oh, yeah, Michael has him all the way down at 25. So, yeah, he's six behind me. I'm six behind Eli, and he comes right... He comes in my ranking. So, I feel like we, I have him right, and I, I picked the right spot. <laughs> 19. <laughs> 19. I mean, he, he gets the third-round draft capital. So that that is definitely a plus. They they moved up to get him in that third round. Can't can't deny that they make that move. He goes into a crowded backfield. Who signed Wayne Gallman this season? Who already have I can't even think of his name. He's that irrelevant though. Jeffrey Wilson. But Raheem Mostert. Well, Jeff Wilson's hurt, so that that'll give Sermon a little bit more chance to at least get some run. You have Raheem Mostert who showed what he can do in games, but this team is. Always, always run multiple running backs. Not in the same game as much, 
but they rotate them game by game. I mean, last year, Jerick McKinnon had like a running back one week because he got all the work, and it wasn't the week anybody expected. The week everybody expected Jerick McKinnon to do it, he didn't do it. They didn't even play him. Didn't play a snap. <laughs> it was like the only running back healthy, and they're like, yeah, we're not going to use you, though. So, Eli, 13. I'm on the sermon train. I'm you, all You bored. might be the conductor. I'm a- <laughs> I might be. I might be the conductor. Thirteen overall for yeah. yeah. So first pick of the second round. Why so high? I like Sermon. The fact that they traded up for him pushed him up further in my rankings. Um, I think he's got the skill set to translate to the NFL. Uh, there are red flags that I've talked about. Obviously, the whole speed score cutoff. Um, Does he fit that just, system? That's my only question. I I think that Sermon can fill the role in that system. I think he will work just fine. I think even with the low speed score, I think he's enough of a um, tactician kind of elusive running back just enough, but he plays the running back position like a traditional running back. And we saw that at the end of the year and he was able to um, put up a few good games. And I think it's just, I get the whole, he couldn't beat out Kennedy Brooks one year, Ramondre Stevenson, Master Teague, the whole talking about injuries. That's that's you, you, it, he's so hard to evaluate because he of is. his injuries. And but I think that makes him fit perfectly in San Francisco too. There's something about it. <laughs> <laughs> it. It's true. It's true. You need some wheelchairs, Sermon. Um, <laughs> it's there's something about Sermon and the way that he plays the position that I think he translates to the NFL, and I think he can be that guy that. You see, didn't do a whole lot in college. The NFL liked him, and he gets a shot, and that's all it takes. They play the so well. I just want to remind Eli that they traded up for Joe Williams, too. That worked out well. I'm well aware um, they traded up for Joe Williams. <laughs> and I believe it was a third-round pick, too. Um, I also drafted Derek McKinnon in, like, the fourth round of a startup draft, so leave me alone. Um, Sermon, uh, four games, whatever it is, does not make a, a career. I get that the Josh Jacobs situation, a lot of people are looking for those running backs that have talent that don't necessarily quote unquote produce at the next level, trying to get that sneak. Um, But overall, it just doesn't look good. Um, Justin Fields attributed for, I think it was like 72% of that offense. And without Justin Fields on the field, I don't think Trey Sermon even has those four games. I don't see it with Sermon. Uh, Big back, but he projects more as a short yardage you know, Peyton Barber type than he does an NFL back that I want that I think could be three downs or even just two downs. I wouldn't even go as far as to put him in the in the Chris Carson category at this point. And I don't even think he's the best back in that backfield. I think he's the fourth best back in that backfield right now. And and that and that's saying something. I, I get they traded up for him and I get that they wanted to get a guy, but at this point in time with Trey Sermon, it, he's the biggest back that they have there. And it might just be the lack of goal line and short yardage they wanted. And I don't want to typecast a guy before easy field, but San Francisco struggled in short yardage situations last year, especially running the ball. You factor in, they bring in Trey, Trey Lance. And hey, who knows? Maybe Trey Lance could play that Justin Fields role for him, and Trey Sermon goes off and has a huge career. Can I mean, you that, is definitely, that is definitely a possibility. Can hey. you imagine? Hey, I'm just saying that that is definitely a possibility. I just don't with with their offensive line and the and the sc- zone scheme that they run. I just don't think he's a good fit at this moment in time. We'll see though. That offense might change when Trey when Trey Lance takes over, and Sermon might end up being a guy who you know catapults off to a you know an NFL career, and I'm the one that gets laughed at for for putting him at 25th. But you know, I'll say this: I, I'd rather have the other rookie running back that they have. Put it that way. I'll say this: Eli, you're too high, and Michael, you're probably too low. Because he could be the one-two Well, of course you're going to say also. that. You put him in the middle. So, of course, of course you're going right. to say so that. I'm, so, I'm going to say I'm perfect. That's what you're going to say. No, uh, right. Obviously, well, yeah. We'll just revisit too- We'll revisit this next year and figure out where we're going to put him. Let's put it that way. But uh, So, <laughs> this is a backfield that will probably lose two running backs at least next year. I, I don't see Mostert being back next year. Jeff Wilson probably won't be back next year. So, you know, this, this is a situation that's probably in flux. So... Could it be the Sermon Mitchell show? Both of them are very similar. That's the only problem to me with those two is I would be, I'd love it more if one was more of a pass catcher than the other, but they're not. And that's the only thing that kind of sucks about it. Let me ask you a question though. Same exact question that we you asked about New York, even though it's a third round pick, who's to say that San Francisco doesn't go out and get a guy next year if somebody falls into their lap? 100%. That's why I'm at 19. <laughs> I mean, at, that, at that point, you're, 
it's you're, you're trying to take upside in that running back with a, a guy who potentially could be the starter. You have to take it in a good offense. You know, that's, Elijah, that's, that's, Elijah Mitchell can catch. He didn't catch a lot in, at Louisiana because they didn't ask him to. Well, so but can Trey Sermon. He can catch. I just don't know that he can be that kind of running back. I would probably rather take Mitchell in the third round just because of the, you know, you, in this situation, you take the guy who's going to go later. But at 13, that just feels a little high. And then at 25, that feels, 19 feels about just right. And then we go right Shameless back. Shameless plug into, of Mark petting himself on the back right there. And then we go right back into four, oh, sorry, five straight running backs over the five final picks of the second round. Have Kadarius Tony. Oh, yeah, sorry, wide receivers. Kadarius Tony, Sammy Brown, um, Jordan Palmer, Nico Josh Collins. Josh Palmer. Josh Palmer. What about me butchering names? Jordan Palmer plays quarterback oh, or played right. quarterback. Played, yeah. He's a, <laughs> was he an analyst now, right? Yeah, he's an analyst. Yeah. Nico Collins and Dwayne Eskrid. I, I mean, I think they're. All, I think that's perfect. I mean, they're all interchangeable. It's all a matter of like what one spot, depending on who you prefer. None of those guys, to me, are going to be more than a high high wide receiver, possible possible high high end wide receiver. I, 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 mean, I look at it this way: Tony is kind of like the gadget guy. Probably could put up a lot of yards. PPR type player. Diamond Brown's kind of the speed threat outside guy. You know, Chicago opposite of Allen Robinson. Diami you know, Di- Brown is in Washington. Oh, he's in Washington. I'm thinking of Daz, aren't I? He's with, yeah, you're thinking of Daz Newsom. Yeah. I mean, Diami Brown could, I mean, that, that offense could be completely different this year with yep. Gunslinger Fitz. Palmer in Los Angeles, probably not getting year one because Mike Williams is still there. He's good. Keenan Allen is still there. Huh? I was just saying that Mike Williams. He, and it, most likely he is. It's what it seems, but he's there. And he's been there now for four years. He's been in that offense. So it's hard to see a rookie just going to take over for him. Last year, we did see a couple there, you know, a couple wide receivers there kind of break out a little bit. Guyton and can't think of the other guy's name. Who had, they both had a couple games with Herbert, you know. So Palmer could pass Mike you, Williams, but it'll be tough. Any wide receivers that you take at this point in your rookie drafts, you need to know that you're probably sitting on them for one to two years before you get anything out of them. Now, for, Nico, for me... For me, Palmer, Nico, and Dwayne Eskridge are guys that I think are going to contribute. Nico's got some openings, yes. And compared to the other two. Palmer, to me, has the highest upside of the five. I think Nico Collins has the second highest upside and Eskridge has the third. But I think they're all going to end up probably having the same career trajectory across the board, personally. I think all five of them are all interchangeable. But if I had the highest upside guy, I think it would be Palmer. So I would say Tony's probably the one who has the highest ceiling, but the lowest floor. He's, the, he's the one who could bust the biggest, I think, out of all of them. I can see that. I think Palmer, with his size, though, has a chance. He's safer. I think he has a potential. Well, yeah, he's definitely safer. His floor is definitely safer. I don't think his ceiling is that, far, that much lower than Tony. They're all very similar. I'm just saying right. Tony yeah. probably is the, the top of the floor of all of them just because of the, the role he'll play, the offense he's in, the, the fact that they drafted him round one. It means they're going to probably scheme stuff up if he works out. Absolutely. Um, Nico, I like based on the situation that he's going into. There ain't many wide receivers there. He's got good size, so he could work his way to be an alpha. He is going to have the amazing Baltimore Ravens wide receiver coach as his head coach. So, you know, that's that's <laughs> always a plus. He was also the wide receivers coach in Kansas City when they didn't have a single wide receiver score touchdown. <laughs> So Nico Collins going to Houston, that's perfect, perfect. That's what most Michigan players do. They don't score touchdowns. Got it. That's a shot. <laughs> and, then, play, but... and then Eskridge, I mean... <laughs> Eskridge gets a great I mean, quarterback. I, I love you, Eli. Eskridge gets a great quarterback, but he has some things in front of him. So he'll he's, he's, Eskridge is tough for me because I can see a path where he, he does really well, and then I can also look the other way and go, he barely does anything. So you, you know what he is? is. You, know, you know what role he's going to fill? David Moore. No. <laughs> That's what uh, you're going to get out of him. You're going to so, randomly here and there get a 17-point game. Works. So the thing, the thing with Eskridge is I had a second-round grade on him coming in, but the thing with Eskridge that I like is, or that I've been that I've been reading about, and obviously I understand rookie camps and stuff, but Eskridge has been, the offensive coordinator in Seattle now is an offensive guy that came over from the Rams. And they felt comfortable that they could take Eskridge in the second, even though they only had three picks, because they want to use him like Robert Woods. Give him the jet sweeps, give him the around the line of scrimmage work. 
because if you really think about Tyler Lockett and, D, and DK Metcalf, neither one of them really work around that that offensive line. They don't do the the short screens. They don't do a lot of the slants. They do a lot of more of like the ins, the outs, the comebacks, the you know the deeper balls. So Eskridge has an, a possibility and chance. With today's NFL, three wide receivers on one team being fantasy relevant is not off the off the radar at all. And that's the reason why I like Eskridge. It just it's going to be a matter of whether or not he actually gets that opportunity. But so far, it sounds like that's what they're going to do. They don't have anybody else behind Lockett and Metcalf. Moore's gone. No, and that's and that's why I like Eskridge. Yeah. He he, mm-hmm. he does slide right into that number three role. Yeah. The question for me is is are we going to see Russell Wilson first eight games? Are we going to see Russell Wilson the last eight games? Are we going to get it in the middle finally where it should be? Because that offense drastically changed as the season went on last year. They were letting him cook for a while. And then they were like, nah, you're not going to be in the kitchen anymore. Get out. I mean, when you're getting hit 105 times a game, it doesn't help. Yeah, it got rough towards the end of last year. His body, you you could see it kind of gave way towards the end of the year. He was hurting. He was a hurting unit last year. Yeah. I mean, him, you know, between him and really honestly, uh, who else was it that got hit a ton last year? Joe Burrow? Wentz. Wentz got hit a lot. Wentz was averaging uh, Wentz was averaging 13 yeah, hits Burrow, a game. Though, you know. Average. Yeah, Average for Wentz was 13 hits a game. Anybody's going to have a fucking terrible year getting hit that much. You know, and that's what happened with Russell Wilson towards down, down the stretch. And Burrow, obviously, I mean, Burrow cooked for a little bit, but obviously it took a lot of hits. And unfortunately for his, was one of the hits that happened. Uh, any one of these five guys, I think here... You know, I think you're going to get a guy that could potentially slide into wide receiver category at some point in time, and they're high end. I'm just afraid that Tony's going to be used like Percy Harvin. It's that's a possibility. That's why it's Moore's probably the lowest. That's what worries. Eli, what do you think about these wide receivers? I have, I have uh, Nico the highest at 20, or I guess Tony at 19. We are Tony, but Tony at 19, uh, Nico at 20. Uh, Tony's more of a he gets pushed up because of draft capital, and they're going to use him if I can get a guy like. At pick 19, I'm going to take that all day. Nico Collins kind of goes into a pretty decent situation there with um, pretty good draft capital, not a whole lot around him. That offense is going to throw the ball. He does have the size to be an elite target for the for Watson there. I, I think it's a good order. I think you're looking at, you're hoping to hit on the Chris Godwin, Cooper Cup of the world in this section here. So then we get into our third round pick, and we start that off with two th- two more wide receivers, Amari Rodgers and Dez Fitzpatrick. Now, Amari Rodgers, we hope Aaron Rodgers is still throwing the ball to him in Green Bay. That that probably makes this pick a lot easier. If he's not, makes it a little tougher. Hopefully he takes that old Randall Cobro. Dez Fitzpatrick, you're hoping, becomes the wide receiver too next to A.J. Brown. Rumors they want Julio. Josh Reynolds is there. So that's why I think he falls to this point in, in the – in the third round. As it sits right now, I think that's Fitzpatrick. You could probably even put above the other five guys we had, but it, it, that's a lot of ifs, especially considering the fact that if they do go and get Julio, you know, like that's the biggest thing. Because right now, I think that's Fitzpatrick out of the, the, the seven wide receivers we were just talking about probably has the best path to getting immediate playing time, even over Kadarius Tony, who was the 20th pick, because he's just loaded in a wide receiver group in, in New York. So that's the thing with Des Fitzpatrick that you have to keep an eye on, but you don't also don't want to reach too far for him either. So for being a third round is perfect in that range, but it's just, it's just something to keep an eye on. If they don't get Julio and they run into the season with A.J. Brown, Josh Reynolds, and Dez, Dez is a fantastic value. Fitzpatrick? Yes. Either one, Rogers, Fitzpatrick. Rogers, Rogers or Fitzpatrick. I don't, I don't even know where I'm with Rogers, with Rogers and Green Bay. And I'm just completely ignoring that situation. Um, <laughs> so Denver Broncos' new quarterback. Yeah. They, the wide receivers there behind Adams have been shuffled around so much. Uh, maybe you do get a Randall Cobb. Uh, you're looking at wide receiver three production throughout the season. Maybe some wide receiver two games here and there. Obviously, you, you always get that with Green Bay. But as far as Patrick, same thing with that. Right now, we're looking at a pretty piece together wide receiver core outside of A.J. Brown, uh, who we know is going to get most of the targets there. So they bring somebody like Julio in. Obviously, that changes a lot there. I'm looking for two wide receivers here with potential upside down the road and 
you know, maybe a couple of games here or there throughout the season. These guys, though, are probably pushed up best ball. I agree with that. Yeah, best ball, they definitely, definitely can go higher. So then the next three we have are the next tier of quarterbacks after the big five in Kellen Mond, Davis Mills, and Kyle Trask. I, I personally have Trask the highest. I think, Michael, you have Trask the lowest. Eli, we know your love for Trask. He was your Debbie darling pick with the quarterback situation. You were happy about the spot because you know, he does go to a situation where he can learn behind Tom Brady, a team that doesn't doesn't really have another quarterback. I mean, who knows in a year or two if they draft somebody else. But um, and then, and that's one of the reasons I have him the highest. But also, I believe he's the best of these three quarterbacks overall. Um, so if if at this point of the draft I need someone to start, I've been taking Davis Mills because I believe he has the best chance because we don't know what's going to happen with Deshaun. I believe Deshaun will get some kind of um, suspension at some point. Even if none of this becomes true, the NFL usually still, you know, goes, okay, well, you know, we're going to suspend you just because. Well, Deshaun doesn't want to be in Houston. Well, he 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 reaffirmed that this week. He does not want to be. Right. I don't know that he would sit out the year though and take all of those um, fines that he would take with it. So it Mills is the, if you, you know, you absolutely need a guy, he gives you that. Mond would be the second, and he probably has the best chance to start the quickest behind Cousin. I just believe Trask is the best. So if I'm just looking at taking a quarterback here to have you know that fourth quarterback on my Super Bowl team that I don't really need, I'm going with Trask. But yeah, all three I, of them are literally right there together. I, I really, I had tight. Trask. I had Trask the lowest. I think I have Trask, Trask still ranked sixth overall in my rankings as far as quarterback rankings, but. I don't believe he's the future in Tampa Bay, and I think that that's my issue. That's a possibility. I think so, Kellen. Okay. I think Kellen Mond is more of a future pick for Minnesota. As weird as that sounds, I just don't know how I feel about Mond in general. Is where I sit there. And and that and that's absolutely the. I mean, like I said, I think Trask is still one of the safest quarterbacks in this draft. Um, you know, I think that he's a guy. I mean, he's in a great spot. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's it's, it's a fantastic landing so spot for Kyle Trask. It's if Brady says. Okay, I'm playing two more seasons, and he's done. Just hypothetical, and they don't take a quarterback, and you've got Trask sitting on your roster. You, we're talking pick 26, 20. I got him ranked 25th here. I could be easily taking him higher if I'm in a bad quarterback situation at league, because there is a chance that in two years he's the starting quarterback for that team. My issue with that is, though, is unless you have a taxi squad that allows you to sit and hold on to guys, there's really your roster construction starts getting really, really cramped at that point. And quarterbacks in general are a revolving door behind really the top 20. You know, you're dropping a lot of people. You're making a lot of moves for things. It's hard to hold on to a guy for that long, even in the deeper league. Um, I think Kellen Mond just has a better opportunity and chance, assuming he works out. Obviously, that's the case with these three. Because what were they? What were they? Two thirty-two, three hundred two, and three hundred three in the NFL draft. No, oh, they went. The, they went. Trask went the last pick of the second round. Two thirty-two. Oh, you're using. I thought you were saying two hundred thirty-two. I'm not. So I'm like, wait, no, what? no. Round two. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if they. If Mond and Mills and Mond was, was the very beginning of the third, but they both went early third, and Mond went they, first. They were three hundred two and three hundred three. Yeah. So I mean, we're talking. We're talking four picks. You know, yeah. three quarterbacks inside four picks. So, um, and that, and and you know, that's the. It's just a matter of landing spot. Like, I don't know how much longer Minnesota has with Kirk Cousins sitting there with Kirk Cousins, and and Davis Mills is going to Houston in a situation where I don't even know if David Mills is going to play this year, even if Watson does sit out or get traded. Uh, that might be Tyrod Taylor's you know situation because he is there in Houston. So, if it, someone it, deflates it, his lung again. Yeah, until oh until Justin Herbert's doctor deflates his lung. So you know, it's yeah. I mean, are, so. Yeah, I mean, but, but but at this point in time in the draft, those three quarterbacks are like boom, 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 boom. Yeah, I, I sat in a draft where I was like, okay, I'm just going to go with whichever the three falls. You know, I had a pick at, I believe, 212, and then another pick at 305. And I'm like, okay, whichever one of the three is left at 305, that's what I'm going to take. And yeah. I didn't want to make the choice out of the three. I wanted the choice to be made for me. Did it get made and for I, you? It did. It. Davis Mills was the third one, the only one left, and I took him. I mean, it worked <laughs> perfectly because I owned this, John. So... It gives me, and then I picked up Ty right off the waiver wire, so it gives me that quarterback room no matter what. So, Well, did you get Jeff Driscoll? No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure if I need to, I could. I'm sure it would cost you a lot, too. Oh, um, tons. Our final three? 
Was that our and last finish? There we go. Our final three. There is not a single wide receiver. We pretty much uh, have depleted that. Exasperated all of those. Two two at well. We, yeah, yeah. Everybody can have him and Jalen Darden. All uh, eighty pounds of the two of them together. <laughs> but let's go get Devontae Smith. <clears throat> Sorry. What, so um, we finish it off with Elijah Mitchell, Pat Fryermuth, and Chuba Hubbard. The two running backs are obviously at this moment the backups on their team. Hubbard has CMC ahead of him. Mitchell has, like we talked about, the San Francisco backfield ahead of him. And then the tight end, Pat Fryermuth, who goes to a Pittsburgh team that has a lot of wide receivers around him. So you better be drafting this guy knowing you're not probably going to get much for two to three years. And we don't know what's going to happen in with general, Big Benham's. In general. Uh, but he is a just tight end. Just a he tight is a tight end spot. freak, though. So that. He is just the tight end spot, though. It's just that's what. Well, that, honestly, though, that's what what puts him even in my top thirty-two in general. Is that he is a prototypical tight end, and he is a tight end freak. Yeah, Hubbard to me is in that position where we've seen the backup running back in Carolina produce um, at a pretty decent pace to be in your flex spot or to be there in case of CMC getting hurt. You've got a backup that's going to step into that role and most likely produce. 75% of McCaffrey's production. I put Chuba at 32 just because you can't take away his 2019 season. Um, no. You know, he, he's dropped significantly uh, in the NFL ranks and in fantasy ranks. And it, it, to be honest with you, it's kind of a surprising drop. I know last year was kind of terrible, but he had some off the field things, some coaching stuff that kind of rubbed him the wrong way. Uh, supposedly it was put behind him, but you know that that team is as as a whole just didn't really produce the way that it had it did in 2019. So um, I just I think with a guy like Chuba, you know the talent is there, and, and I'm not completely 100% po- sold positively that Christian McCaffrey is going to be used in the same same capacity that he was used under uh, Ron Rivera. You know I, I think the injury might cause Matt Rule to change a little bit and kind of rotate in guys a little bit more, and Mike Davis left. You know. Uh, he went to Atlanta, so there's there's really not much in that backfield, you know, uh, behind CMC that I think could push Chuba at this point uh, to get there. Now, have I been drafting Chuba in the third? The answer to that is no. But I don't draft. It's not that I dislike Chuba. It's just I'm so nervous as to which Chuba are we going to get when he does see. Are we going to get the 2019 version? Or are we going to get? I mean, if, if you're truly the 312 pick, meaning you won the championship. Getting a running back who, with the upside that Chuba does give you, it's understandable. I mean, you're, you're now at this point where you're you're taking guys who are, if you're taking running backs or backups to somebody, if you're taking wide receivers, they're the fourth, fifth undrafted guy that got picked up by a team. You're drafting either the, another tight end. There really isn't any quarterbacks left. So you're not taking them. So uh, this this is around the time when you're just taking a running back and you're praying. You're, you're hoping that. Matt Rule says, you know what? Mike Davis did really well last year, so let's not overdo it with Christian McCaffrey. Let's use both of them. And you that, can, that, you that's can, your hope. And you can flex Chuba. That's best-case scenario right there. That's, But, I mean, when you look at what's left running back-wise, you're talking about Larry Round. Well, what, what's he right now? The third on the depth chart? Fourth? I had him 33rd right behind Chuba, but I like Roundtree's situation and talent just as much as I do. Right. but So you can again, make them interchangeable to me at right. that point. But that's what I'm saying. But still, the second or third on a depth chart. You're, you're looking at um, Kenneth Gainwell, no. second or third on a depth chart. You're looking at Jav- Javian Hawkins, the know. undrafted guy who got signed by Atlanta who doesn't have anybody, so maybe he has a chance. But again, undrafted. Undrafted. You're looking at Jared Patterson. You're looking at Kylan undrafted. Hill. You're looking at Jamar Jefferson. You know, all guys who have something ahead of them. Jamar is the one I'm taking the most in those situations, just because I think he can be the starting running back along with him. Oh, yeah, for sure. Jamar, and the thing with me is Jamar and Larry Roundtree and Chuba are the three guys that I have this late that I actually see legit NFL talent that could be something more than just a role player. And that's just my personal opinion. It, but the likelihood of them getting that opportunity is probably not very high without some kind of in front of them. Uh, any closing thoughts? That was our, that was our rankings, right, guys? That's it. Well, I mean, I, Eli, Eli, unless you have something, I think that's going to do it for us here at the Dynasty Academy this weekend. Have a good night and stay safe.